Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. This is brought to our listeners by Hemmings House Pictures and Vision Coaching Inc. Edible Matters, Ripple Effect Music Studios, and Robert Simmons. The best clothing to make you feel and look like Greg and Dave from the Bowling Point Podcast. Com. Robert Simmons, making us look good. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the Boiling Point Podcast possible. Bam. I want your beer now, or do you want to open it while we're on the air? Drink. I brought a special beer opener that has a great story behind it. If you want to talk about, it's not really an entrepreneurial story. It's more of a beer-loving sort of cultural story, but... That's okay, man. This, all stories are welcome. It's like our most pri- my most prized uh, opening implement. More prized than any of the... Fa- I have fancy corkscrews that have been given me, but this is this more is it. Mi- meaningful. Spe- speaking of opening implement, I think that whole dialogue we just had is a fantastic opening uh, implement for this podcast episode. Uh, what, what do you think, Dave? What dialogue is that exactly? You weren't even listening just to talking me. about your opener. We're talking about the opening implement. I was like, <laughs> oh, you just I, oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. come on. I, I was I was taking a little bath, a biological break, and I came. I you, came back. You went up there for a bath, and, and I, I can't I, a bath. Yes, and I assumed there was another conversation happening. But yes, this is a great. No, but you are the king of transition. So Craig, in his hand, has uh, Craig, well, Craig Penny, by the way, our, our, our guest. Cold. Ice cold. Tell us what you have. What 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 do we? Well, I have at? a, a uh, very simple metal beer opener that was given to me in Germany at a little, we'll call it a bar, in this small town in Germany, which I have a funny story I can tell you about. Well, th- th- I think this is fantastic. Now, because um, not everybody heard last week's uh, episode, let's let's bring it up to speed. So, Craig Penny. Uh, he's going to introduce himself in one second, but he came in during the last bit of last week's episode with a cooler filled with something, and I didn't know what it was. And he just pulled this uh, this this beer opener out of such cooler, uh, uh, out of said cooler, I should say. Uh, and Craig, why don't before you do, give us your intro, why don't you tell us what else is in that cooler? Oh well, I'm a beer and wine spirits writer, so I thought I'd bring something to sip because you know your throat gets dry when you talk a lot. So I brought three beers, one for each of us. You can choose which one you want. Each one is different, but they're all they're all from the Little Edmondson Brewery called Petit Sioux, oh, which is one of my right. favorite uh, microbreweries, and they're a great example of a you know what's happened since I've moved to New Brunswick, and you know my job as I see it is to encourage and create a culture that supports businesses like this. And you know when I see them open and they're successful and they make good product. Then I feel, even though I really had nothing directly to do with it, <laughs> I feel a sense of satisfaction. And it's like, yes, it's finally working, you know. So I've got their La Kedgewick Pilsner. I also have the, if somebody's an IPA, like a hophead, I've got the uh, the Sur Catherine, the mean-looking nun on the label uh, IPA. And then I've got the uh, Louis, the, is it 15th Amber, which is the one named after the, they think the, um, one of the, the descendants, one of the actual Louis, like Louis the Fourteenth, uh, took off. He's missing from France. I mean, there's a if you look into your history, you'll see he disappeared. And there's a a story that he came and 
uh, is part of that uh, Brayon history up there in Edmonton area. So, so he's on the label of the amber. Wow. Well, well, so I'm gonna, you know, now I've uh, I've had an opportunity There's... to to see um, Craig in kind of a a wine pairing and beer pairing uh, capacity, you know, with certain foods and stuff. So if you were to do some beer pairing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and based on what little you know of my personality and what you know of of Greg's personality, what beer would you pair with Greg, and then which one would you pair with me? That's which of these challenge. three? Um, well, I I think Greg likes West Coast hoppy IPAs. So I would think you would like that. Um, to be honest, of these three, the one I drink the most at home is the Pilsner because we spend a lot of time. We live right on the river, and we have a floating raft, and I'll take a cooler of those little. And we fresh live Pilsners. we live around the corner the corner from one another. Okay, so, so I'll, I'll take those Lakedwicks out there and drink those because they're so. It's I like the small format. They're little stubbies, so that's a crisp, refreshing Pilsner. The other one is more of a, a, a malty kind of a strong personality beer, which I think that might suit you, perhaps. Perfect. Yeah, well, love it. So I'll give you that. This is the okay. uh, so yeah, so Louis the actually the seventeenth. So oh, and, and, and crack it open right by the microphone. Oh, yeah, it wasn't that loud, but. We're going to be uh, so I, I've got here. Louis seventeen. Louis seventeen. So um, the, who, the missing, the missing descendant. Like he would have been the next king, I guess. Oh, ah, uh-huh. so look at Sir Catherine. Look at the label of the uh, the mean old nun. These yeah, are all based on real people from history that are important to the Brayon slash Acadian culture up there. Well, she she looks so angry. She's mean. Oh man. Okay. So listen, the the other tradition <laughs> on on the, on the few times we've had a beer. Is we do need the uh, the audible effect of a good cheer. So the Dave, l- l- let's get over here to the to the microphone. Do a nice clink. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. I learned a new one. I was in Alsace recently on a, a wine writing trip, and um, oh, you get a good ah, there. That's the sound. Nice. That's a true Canadian sound. That's fantastic. Drinking from a stubby, just like Bob and Doug, we are here. Eh? <laughs> but, That's but, uh, exactly it. I learned a new one there. What was it um, Skelt? When you're in Alsace, they have a, a hybrid um, dialect that's because Alsace changed hands between the French and the Germans many times over the years, and the, the wines and the food and the culture are all a mishmash, which makes it super interesting. Um, but uh, I learned a new one, which is skelt, which is kind of like skull, you know, in uh, in Scandinavia. Yeah. But it's skelt. It's a, another skelt. cheers. Yeah, a new one. Because, you know, I love using them different ones. Like I love saying Nostrovia and Egeshegedra and, you know, Kampai. You know, I like using them all yeah, when yeah, we're yeah. out, like just rotating around. And then, of, of, of course, the classic uh, uh, maritime, more more of the Halifax, the, the, the sociable. Yeah. But now, you know, Craig, as a, as a booze story professional, um, talk about sociable for a second. And, and keeping a note, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are not from Atlantic Canada. So right. they've probably never heard sociable Well, before. I remember the first time I heard it. Now, I grew up in Nova Scotia. I'm from the social Nova Scotia. So I did my drinking my, you know, my drinking education through Nova Scotia, I took engineering. So everybody there drank Keith's. And at the time there was no such thing as microbreweries. Uh, I don't call it craft beer. I don't like that term. Microbrew beer. There was no small breweries. Um, but then the first one opened in 84 and I started hanging out there and, and, you know, once I had a drink of, of Granite Brewery's Best Bitter, like that was it for Keith's, you know, sorry. But, <laughs> but, uh, but, um, we've traveled a lot, my wife and I over the years and, just that sociable thing was never used in Nova Scotia when I was in university. So I, I graduated in, well, 83 from Dal and then 87 from engineering at tons. I, that, you never heard that term. The first time I ever heard it 
was we were in Newfoundland. Um, this would have been, gosh, it would have been before my daughter was born. So it would have been, it would, it was when Great Big Sea wasn't a band yet. Like they weren't known. They were just a little band in St. John's that people were talking yes. about. And we were visiting my friend who was working at the oil refinery there. And um, he said, I said, well, what are we going to do tonight? Well, well we're going to go to a bunch of bars, of course. We're in St. John's. And there was no, again, no microbrews. You know, you're lucky if you find a Guinness. So uh, the um, it's like, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to drink. And he said, also, I heard there's this band playing at, uh, like, um, gosh, what bar was it? Um, it was the Jungle Gyms, the original Jungle Gyms, which was nothing like the franchise that it's become. So he said, there's this band playing at Jungle Gyms called Great Big C, and we're like, never heard of them. They don't have a record or anything, but they're supposed to be good. So we went there, and it was crazy with Newfies, and we loved it. And my wife, that's where Christine, I don't know if you know, but she ended up becoming a, a step dancer. Yeah, yeah, I to the can't point wait to interview like Christine she, about this. No, this she's performed at Imperial Theater with really? her. Trip. Yeah, she doesn't do it anymore. Because Christine, I didn't know this. I, yes. I, I know you're listening right now, and I'm excited but to talk to you about if that. If you hear her, her story, she'll tell it slightly differently. But we were there, and we were noticing, like, while the songs were playing, and they were great. Of course, the band was, they were new. Never, I never heard any of the songs before, except for the traditional ones that they did. But all the people were dancing and doing these, and Christine was watching them, and she was like, I got to do this. And she was trying to dance along with them. Where, and uh, that's when we heard Sociable the first time is when they'd take a break and and they, Alan Doyle, because his name, yep. would be like, okay, everyone, Sociable. And we were like, this is awesome. So, <laughs> so whatever so year that was. This is a great big C phenomenon. Quite well, well, it's probably traditional Newfoundland. It could be something that, uh, you know, that's, that is, has been around that I just never heard, but I don't, maybe I was going to the wrong bars in Halifax. Well, and you know, it's, I was, I was wondering where you were going to take that. You took it to Newfoundland, but I ran across, you know, in, in the prairies. In well, they all do it now. Well, yeah. yeah. No, no, but, no, this was, was a long time ago. This oh, really? Years, I mean, I, I was in high oh, school. Could be a Newfie thing then. Yeah. Well, so I don't know, but maybe it was imported to, yeah, that, or exported. Well, that's very sorry. likely with Alberta. Um, yeah. uh, but I don't know, it was Saskatchewan. Oh, and, so, or, and I was like in, in, in the prairie towns and they would, you know, I was ocean And so that's where, I mean, I assumed it originated from the prairies, but who knows? Interesting too. Like, <clears> and, and it's perhaps, and I, this all ties back to, to you as a guest here, but, uh, um, perhaps this is an old, uh, English uh, tradition as well. And so much of that did come to Newfoundland. And so much of Newfoundland has been exported all across the country, yeah. including the prairies. Mm. Um, so if any of our Newfoundland friends are listening, uh, why don't you tweet us and, and give us the real story? And if, you know, if Alan Doyle is listening, which he probably is, because I know he's a big fan of the Boiling Point podcast, uh, let us know where where did the sociable cheers come from? And and uh, I think that'll be that'll be fun, and we'll we'll, we'll follow up on that. We, absolutely. So a question. And by the way, phenomenal beer. This is fabulous. It's good, beer. isn't it? So I'd love to hear. Now we a few weeks back we had. Um, uh, and you say you'd prefer to call it microbrew versus craft? Is yeah, the, just, the craft just, term, we can talk about that, but it's kind of been appropriated and used in a very snobby way, like like trying to say that only small can be can make good beer, which right. is the opposite of the truth. Right. I mean, all the best beers in the world are made by big breweries in Europe. So, right. so, know, so the term is anno annoys me the hell out of me. Okay, so so but so knowing that microbreweries, so brew pub, pub nano brewery, okay. those are all good. So the brew pub who we had Wendy, yeah, in, Big Tide, yeah, Big Tide, she's and, awesome, and, yeah. and yeah, and she made a 
uh, a beer yeah. in, our, in our name, and it was, and we actually, too bad we don't have some here because I'd love for you to taste it and give us your opinion. Yeah, I missed that one. Unfortunately. So, but we do have it on a keg, and we're going to invite you to the, whatever party, wherever that, because we'd love to get your opinion. But you know what? What she started to do for me, and 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 I, I'm curious about your, you know, kind of what your thoughts are around this, but just th- this whole um, microbrew industry in New Brunswick, and just like the exponential growth in the last, you know, probably like decade. Yeah, yeah, is it even five years? Yeah. So so tell us a little bit from your vantage point. Well, it's interesting because I've been writing about beer since the, uh, since the early 90s when I lived in Ontario, even though I got into it in Halifax in the mid-80s when there was the one brew pub there, the, the Ginger's Tavern, which now we know of as Granite Brewery. But, um, you know, the growth, I was in Ontario during the, during the um, early 90s through to 1999 when I came here, and I saw that phenomenal growth there. But when I came here, it hadn't hit. So when I came to St. John, I was like trying to find a beer was really hard that I would drink. Uh, Picaroons was available, but it, it didn't have much presence in St. John. Really, there was only one pub that had decent beer, and it was at the time was the church pub and they had pickaroons but then pickaroons went under and there was nothing and then came pump house and then pickaroons came back but it was a slow slow uh growth period and when i came here i was lucky in a way because i wanted to come here i quit my job as an engineer because my wife came to work for moosehead and i had the opportunity to start from zero but i wanted to be a wine and beer writer so i was lucky because there was nobody doing it in new brunswick and I'm still the only one who does it in English. There's a friend of mine who does a book every year in, in, in a French guy up in the north. But basically, I walked into a vacuum and got this job or created this job. But the beer growth, it was slow, slow, slow. And then finally, there was a couple. But then all of a sudden, in the last – actually, some of, some of it is really only in the last three years. It's just been exponential. And we've seen it in Nova Scotia. It's happening here. And it's fine. We talked about Newfoundland. Newfoundland, I wrote a story last year about how there hasn't been a new brewery. Like, there was one brew pub that has opened in the last 10 years, otherwise nothing. But now I just heard there's three new micros just opened. Unfortunately, when we were there last year, (laughs) there was none, but uh, no new ones, but I'm excited. But uh, here in New Brunswick, it's just going crazy. And I know there's a whole bunch of files, you know, up that people are looking to open them that are at AMBL. So they're like, they got a lot of stuff on their desk. So we're going to see even more. Where is it going to stop? We don't know. So we were we we interviewed uh, Sean Sean Dunbar yeah. two weeks ago a couple weeks ago, and, who owns uh, Picaroons. Yeah. Um, and he um, and I had I was having a conversation with him, and he was um, he was telling me, and this is not in our interview actually. It's kind of an, another funny story connected to this to me seeing Sean. Um, it involves you know driving on a bike in Fredericton and being caught in a rainstorm, but it's a, for another podcast I think. Um, um, and and he rescued us from this actually hail coming down in his uh, in in the north you know the the brewery there yeah. on the north side, um, but he was saying that he believes the market potential is just still untapped. Like there's there's you know and, and in fact he's encouraging more of the the microbrewers to to actually let go of everything else and just go full time. Do you see it the same way? Well, I'd like to think that that's true, but you I mean you can't be psychic. But it feels like, like I said a long time ago, and I probably wrote it in a column, is that every town can have a a brew pub slash small brewery because it's probably the way it was, you know, 
back in the 1800s. So every town, even small towns, can support a small brewery because it's a small brewery. It's like going to the bakery. You bring your, you go when you get your beer. It's, beer's best when it's fresh. I know a lot of the beer geeks today like to taste all the famous beers of the world and get them shipped to them in the mail and whatever. But you know what? The best beer is the fresh beer you're getting locally, unless it's some beer that's been meant to age 10 years or something. But when I want a good beer, I, I look locally. And so I think there's still a bunch of towns and even fair-sized towns that don't have one yet. So, yeah, I think every town of a reasonable size can have one, particularly brew pubs, because a brew pub is a lot easier from an entrepreneurial side in terms if you know what you're doing. I have to say that, is to make money because you can make money right away. You're making money from the food and you're making money from the beer. And if you can sell growlers of beer to go, even better. So like when that happened, when Big Tide got that, uh, we're allowed to do that, I think it changed everything mm -hmm. for Big Tide. And how long ago was that? that um, gosh, I think they started growlers maybe, I'm, Wendy could correct me, but maybe three years ago or something. But uh, it was a, that was a major move. I mean, to the point where, I mean, if, if you go there regularly, you probably know that they sometimes won't sell certain beers because, you know, it's so successful. And the thing is, if you're a, a brew pub, you have your regular clientele and they come in and they can't get their IPA or whatever, they're pissed off. So you got to satisfy your regular customers who come in and buy the beer at your bar. Plus you get a better markup from it. So they actually sometimes restrict growler sales on certain brands. So that tells you how popular so, stuff. Ah, I love this, uh, and, and this makes me think of uh, two points, and they they both lead back to Moosehead. Um, most people listening to this podcast probably at least recognize the Moosehead brand if you're listening in the United States uh, or across Canada. So Moosehead would be our our big boy brewery yeah. in St. John, but on on the scale of international breweries, we're still talking a very small, yeah. independent, Medium, yeah, yeah family run uh, brewery. Now. Um, uh, that brewery recently I went and I had the luxury of having some beer out of the very bottom of what do you call the silos? Is, is that, what well, are these? the, the uh, bright beer tank. It depends whether it's the final tank or the. It, it was a final it tank. It depends where, where they are in the process. So you're talking about unfiltered, unpasteurized. Unfiltered. It was about two degrees. Unpasteurized. Unpasteurized. Also yeah. Two degrees. Mm -hmm. And it was a variety or a brand that I wouldn't typically drink. Uh, not that I wouldn't drink, but I, it's, I'm not too right. excited for. Uh, After hockey, maybe. Right, right that, 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 that type of thing. It was the best beer drinking experience I ever had. It's so fresh, because right? Because it right. was so fresh at the exact right temperature. Mm -hmm. And you're right about the fresh. Like, it mm -hmm. doesn't get fresh. Once it goes to the bottle, you've lost that. A certain amount, yeah. A certain amount. So that, that uh, fast forwards me a little bit to the fact that I'm really excited that that particular brewery that does make mass market beer... Which and for mass market beer, it's really good beer. You yeah. Know? Oh no, it, it um, is. Yeah. But that they've they've started to dabble in uh, in uh, in micro brewery br brewing yeah. with their Ontario uh, um, shop that they that they City, purchased. Yeah. yeah. But now they're looking at even going smaller batch and creating a, yeah, a microbrewery in St. John as well in our yeah. little town. So this is blowing up. What's your thoughts on that? Where? Well, yeah. It, well, you first saw that they're starting. When my wife worked there, going back a few years, this so she worked there from ninety eight to to two thousand and five or six, and I would help her sometimes and consult for them and do work. And she tried to make microbrew style beer. We did make it, like she was trying to do it back then. But 
believe me, they just wouldn't support it because they, they weren't ready. And we made a, a Clancy's uh, premium lager, which basically was a clone of Creamore because that was my wife's favorite beer when we lived in Ontario. So, and they're brew- and they had the equipment and the people, and they know how to make darn good beer, right? It's just you make what you're allowed to make. So we were, they made this excellent beer, and it did great on draft, got great response from uh, the punters, you know, the drinkers, but they refused to go to the next level. She wanted to put it in the tall can, you know, way ahead of the time. I got to give her credit for that, and they wouldn't do it. But something has changed, and obviously that was nine, That was a while ago. We're 10 years in the future now, and, you know, they've already, for the, I don't know, gosh, whatever years ago it was when they did the partnership with Saint Amboise, they've realized that... Um, this is where the growth is, and they're getting they're being smarter about it. And uh, the Hop City thing is great. I mean, they developed that cask beer project that they did at the Ale House was a real turning point for them, um, making an unpasteurized, unfiltered beer available. You know, going out there and taking that step away from your comfort zone to put a Moosehead branded beer in that form. Uh, in, in a cask at a pub, you know, beer like that spoils quickly. So it's only good for three or four days. So when they did that, I'm like, wow, things are changing at Moosehead. Uh, the, the, it's got to be a corporate, it has to come from top down. And it could be, I think it's, it, it might, I don't know whether it's Andrew, I think it, more likely it's Patrick, just because uh, I know that Patrick was really into microbrewed beer when he wasn't before he started working at Moosehead. So I, th- I think you need that true love for good beer and you need to believe in it. And I think that's what's the corporate change. So that's it's great. I think what they're going to do is going to be awesome in St. John with their little brewery. It'll be fun to watch that. It'll be, and it's it a really interesting kind of uh, almost disruptor in a sense. Um, so, so just to segue off uh, your, your point about, you know, you, you have to love, you know, great beer and stuff. And so, so in your love of, of great beer and wine and spirits, um, where, where, like, tell us about the kind of, I, I guess, you know, as the listeners are, are, are sitting there, probably sitting back going, where, where, is, where has this taken you? Like, you know, you've been all around the world, but what would be the most interesting spot you've been to, uh, or unique spot where you've, uh, maybe tasted, a, a, an amazing ale or, or a wine or spirit or whatnot? You're right that I've gotten, I've, I'm, I'm so lucky to, and you know, you know, I'm in a job where I, you have to do a million different things to try to make a living in and it's hard, but I do get these experiences because I get to go on these trips kind of like a travel writer where I go to wine regions. They don't, not so much in the beer industry. Those beer trips are ones that I've really done myself on my own, on my own dime, but wine, I, there's a lot of more budget apparently. So I get taken on trips with other wine writers and I've been to the most amazing places, but the one that really sticks out in the mind in my mind is the most interesting was when I was on a trip to southern Italy and all the different wine regions in southern Italy, you know, Campania and, and, and Sicily and Puglia. And then as part of that trip, we went out to this island that's in between uh, the southern tip of Italy, between Sicily and uh, North Africa, and it's called Pantelleria. It's this little weird, like, um, volcanic island. It has natural springs all around. And a lot of the rich, uh, like the Hollywood-type people of Europe have their getaway homes there. And it's even though it's this tiny island, jets land there and take off. And it's like, how can we land there? So we flew there, and it's it's uh, on this island. The really the only kind of wine they can make is uh, dessert wine from these muscat grapes they call Zabibio. 
Zabibi or Zibio, and it's, I think it's Zabibi, and it's basically muscat. So it's really aromatic and exotic smelling and tasting. But it's so windy up there and there's no protection that to grow the grapes, they actually have to dig down into the ground and plant the grapes so that they're down uh, below the level of the Otherwise, they wouldn't. The vines wouldn't survive, and all the oil, the olive trees are all flat to the ground. Hmm. Wow. And it's got a weird kind of culture that's sort of part Muslim and then part Italian. But it just going there and seeing those grapes and going, this is crazy. What is there? Can't be economic to do this level of work to plant grapes. But that's humanity, and that's Italians, right? They all got to make wine no matter where they are. And I will tell you, we get these wines here in New Brunswick. Uh, we have them quite often. Ben Rie is one of them, um, and uh, I forget the name of the other one, but they're from this winery called Donna Fagata, and they are just the most amazing dessert wines. They're really the only the only dessert wine that's at the ANBL right now that I buy and use for events because I have a great story to tell, and they taste so great. So that it was amazing. I always tell people, you should go there for a holiday. I don't know whether what it's like to go to. Like, can you afford to go there? I don't know. Sounds sounds windy. It was yeah, very windy. That's the thing. <laughs> sounds, if, sounds as like long as you were down by the water where yeah. the hot spring was, then you were fine. But if you were up on the main part, yeah, yeah I think it's just windy all the it time. It reminds me of uh, like uh, the Magdalene Islands or mm. something. Like constant wind. Yeah. Very low lying uh, areas and. Uh, yeah, that's. I think somebody grows grapes there too, don't they? I think I wouldn't Some be surprised. I, and grape. of course, I've got that beautiful microbrewery there. Mm-hmm. As I well. haven't actually been there yet. You know, it's fantastic. I'm, it's on my bucket list of of things to do is to go to that, uh, go to the island and try the beer. And there. it's not far. Like you, no. you, you, you drive over the bridge to PEI and then another ferry, and, and and you're there, and you're in a different country. It Next feels. summer, maybe it really does. Um, okay, so I see something special in your hand, and then sadly we have to actually wrap this awesome session up mm. uh, because we've got uh, our, our next guest coming in in. Three minutes. All right, I'm going to tell the quick story then. This I, this opener that I used to open these beers, it's it's, it's from Germany. We were there. I was there visiting uh, Lingenfelder, one of my favorite German winers, which if you like Riesling, their bird label at the AMBL is one of the best um, uh, wines at the store. And while we were there, we were staying at the winery, but we walked, my wife and I were there with our, our daughter was only two at the time. We went down, we saw, when we were driving in, we saw this little bar at the corner of the intersection. So we thought, we got to go check that bar out. So one evening uh, after dinner, we walked down with, with our daughter and we went in. They were all, they didn't speak any English, but we walked in and they asked, do you want a beer? And we're like, yeah, yeah, I'll have a beer. And we drank some, some beers and they came by and I'll also have another beer. And they, I said, can I have another one? And they said, do you want it warm or cold? And I'm like, warm or cold? What do you mean? Oh, like cold like from the fridge or like these ones here that are kind of and that's the way they drank them they're not they weren't warm they were like cellar temperature and i'm like okay i don't go to the fridge i'll drink that one and when we left they gave us this opener so but when i get back to the the house with the lingenfellers i say oh we really enjoyed the bar down the street and they're like there's no bar down there. It's just a, it's just you like the so corner much. bootleggers or whatever. But all the local people go there and drink beer, and the guy sells it to them for cash. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, it was awesome, and I, I so I cherish this. And the beers they were selling were just local German bottle beers that were, of course, excellent because the local bootlegger. And listen, that is so in line with the theme of the boiling point. Too, it's Absolutely. all about entrepreneurship, that is right? Entrepreneurship at its purest <laughs> form. So, so Craig, how do people um, listen to you? Uh, read, you know, kind of what you have to say. 
Um, where do they find you? Well, I have a weekly column in the in the provincial papers. I'm in all the the provincial papers, so the Fredericton, the Moncton, and the provincial St. John paper, the Telegraph Journal. Um, I have a my website is frogspad.ca, but it, to be honest, it's not that active because really everything's moved to Facebook. Nobody seems to go to websites anymore. So I have a work Facebook site where I post links to all my events, and on Twitter, I'm at frogspadca all one word and that's i'm very active on twitter i'm one of the most uh one of the biggest posters in new brunswick excellent which i should be embarrassed about maybe no never i'm one last cheers and thank you so much well and and a shout out to our 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 brewer that we're uh, tasting right now to uh, petit sue up in edmonton we we love we love new brunswick beer industry and this is absolutely like fantastic their beers are great i I wish our next guest who's calling in could actually give us a a beer as well (laughs) Okay, so Greg, you know what? We have the luxury of doing this podcast, which we've enjoyed for 130-odd episodes. Um, And the reason we're able to do this is because we've got these great companies supporting us. Um, A couple we should mention. One I'm a big fan of, Hemmings House Pictures. And uh, that's your company. Thanks, Dave. And it is great work. Uh, You just got to go and check out their website to see it. I've actually used you guys a number of times to do a documentary, do a corporate video, and uh, so it's accessible to small and large businesses and wonderful at helping um, business tell story and, and movements, to, you know, help shaping story around, you know, wh- what's happening in the world. So thank you to HHB. Well, I, I'd like to say thank you to one of the, the Hemings House team members, uh, Tim Davidson, and we're actually in his his uh, other company's studio right now, Ripple Effect Music. So uh, Tim is yet another community-minded person who is essentially donating his studio, uh, the studio that we use at Hemings House to make all of our films sound good. Um, so he's a part of this. Another really important uh, person uh, is Matt, uh, Matt Weber. Mm-hmm. And he his company is uh, Edible Matters. It's an incredible restaurant out in Hammond's uh, Plains outside Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the one that edits this, all this all the stuff together, puts the show notes together, and uploads these podcasts every single week. And then going back to my good friend who I'm looking at right now, Dave Vale, the big guy with the biggest muscles I've ever met in my life, who also, Dave, you um, you have to know that without you in the early days of me shaping Hemming's House, I probably wouldn't have created Hemming's House. So um, Vision Coaching has helped so many companies and entrepreneurs find their coach approach and create companies that actually can make the change in the world that they want to see. And uh, so vision coaching uh, and uh, everything that you bring to the table, bringing Kim uh, in as well to help us make this podcast a success, we say thank you so much. And the great news, the other night, a few weeks ago, you and I bumped into a previous podcast guest, Mr. Paul Simmons himself. Why don't you tell our, our listeners about our, our newest gold sponsor for our podcast? Yes, Robert Simmons is a fabulous place, um, well-known to people throughout New Brunswick, but also um, you can shop there online, men's and women's clothing. And um, uh, Paul Simmons, who is, uh, I, I mean, I think they've been going on 20 years now, the founder of the company, um, brings the customer experience to a whole nother level. I say that because I shop there um, 
you know, if you were to say, Dave, you look really good wearing that particular suit, um, I would say, well, thank you. And I would have to credit Paul and his staff, which is fabulous. And it's, it's an incredible experience. You've had it before shopping there. Um, I look great. Look what, at me. And, and what's the experience like? What are they you, walk, you walk in the door, you literally get asked if you'd like to have a, a glass of scotch or an espresso. And that's the beginning of the experience. And you walk out with a new set of clothes that makes you feel like uh, feel like a well-dressed man or woman, depending on uh, on what you are as you walk into this incredible place. They have an incredible uh, magazine that they publish, I believe, quarterly. And uh, the next one's coming out, the fall issue of 2016. Um, they always, what we enjoy, and I think what aligns us with what, what Robert Simmons does is is they make a point of, of covering interesting, um, often uh, business-minded, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, community leaders in their publication, and they believe in promoting local. And it's coming out soon, and we have the good fortune of interviewing some of the people in the, uh, in the September issue. Coming up, so uh, robertsimmons.com. And uh, yeah, so that's great. Thanks to our sponsors. And if anybody else uh, in, the, in the podcast sphere is interested in helping us uh, push our Boiling Point movement forward, be in touch. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.